Lord, we thank you that our failure and our sin didn't have the final word. We thank you that your love and your grace, your goodness and your hope had the final word. We thank you that the cross had the final word over our lives. And Lord, we just don't take this moment for granted to be in your presence, Lord, to open up your word, Lord, and hear what you want to speak to us today. I pray you would encourage us, you would challenge us, Lord. You would remind us how much you love us, Lord, and you want to use us for your purpose. Lord, I pray, help us to remove distraction from our minds this morning. I pray with enthusiasm and with lean in this morning, Lord God, we would lean in and we would listen and we would hear what you're speaking to us today. Lord, we don't want to miss a word of what you have for us individually today and corporately as a body. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us today in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. 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 You can take a seat this morning. You're looking extra good this morning. I mean, better than normal. Your windswept hair. You've come into the building this morning. It's great to be in church. And uh, I just wanted to highlight next Sunday, we are obviously doing Mission Sunday. And I'm really looking forward to focusing on Japan and particularly Jono and Steph. And we've got a whole bunch of things that are organized for next Sunday, which is going to be fantastic. And tonight, Lawson service tonight. I'm really looking forward to speaking tonight at our Lawson service and I love seeing that just build and grow and let's not be deterred by the weather because we are not, uh, our faith isn't dictated by the weather. Our faith is dictated by Jesus Christ who is our rock and our anchor for our lives and so I want to encourage you if you were considering coming out tonight, come out and be part of Lawson tonight because it helps us connect with other people that are there and new people that are involved and ultimately it's not about us doing church, it's about people. And it's about people encountering Jesus Christ. And so that's why we go up there. So come on our short-term mission trip to Lawson tonight, which is only 25 minutes up the road. And come and join us. It's going to be good. I will refrain this morning from speaking about a sports report. But uh, there was some good news to, to report over the weekend and some mixed results. But uh, I'm just here to preach the word. So I'll just focus on that this morning. Well, I want to speak a message entitled God's chosen instrument. God's chosen instrument. I think it's an incredible thought that God chooses to use us with all of his might, with all of his power, the fact that he is perfect, the fact that he is omnipresent, the fact that he could do anything in any moment whatsoever, and he's God. He has all the supernatural power that we could fathom in our minds and more, but yet he chooses to use imperfect people like you and I. The fact that we would be used for his purpose on the earth is breathtaking. It's a reminder to us to never take for granted the opportunity that is in front of us that we as his church on the earth are his plan. We're not his plan B or C or D. We are plan A, that he would choose to use us. Imperfect people like you and I, people that when we look at our resume, think about all the reasons why somebody else should be used rather than us. With our human nature and our human frailty, where we oftentimes think about list after list after list of all the reasons why we are not good enough. But yet God says, I love you and you are my chosen instrument. It's incredible. 
I love in Ephesians 2 verse 1, it tells the story of humanity and of our faith. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. We all know that well and many of us stop the scripture right there. We remind ourselves how we are just sinners, how we're dirty, how we're failures, how we've messed up and we just stop right there. But the gospel message is the good news. It continues on and it says you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, as we've been singing about this morning, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. And kindness towards us as he has shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Let's just stop that right there. God would use us as an example of the wealth of his grace and his mercy. When he thinks about all that he has, when he thinks about his greatest possession, he thinks about you and I. That's incredible. That's hard to fathom. You know, when a rich person boasts about their expensive cars or their numerous amounts of houses or the the kind of clothing that they're able to wear and the brands that they can wear and the places that they can shop, when, when they kind of brag about all of those things, they're bragging about their wealth and their strength and all that they have. When God does that, he brags about you and I. He brags about you, Troy. He brags about you, Catherine. He brags about you, Dan. He brags about you, Neville. And he brags about you and he reminds himself of the wealth and the greatness of his grace and his mercy. That he would point to you and use you as an example of his wealth and his strength. That his grace had been poured out for every one of us. I think that's incredible. I think that's a whole perspective shift when it comes to how we see ourselves. That God points to us. So they're a recipient of my grace. I love them so much. I care so much for them. And oftentimes we can't see for our future for our failures. We can't see what God has for us, our purpose, because all we can see is our pain. We can't see into the future of the great things that God has already prepared for us because we are so consumed with self-loathing. And we can think, we just think we just are not good enough. We could never do it. We could never be anything great, but God looks at us and he loves us. God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. Well, I want to be proud about that. When God looks at me, he just sees the wealth of his grace. And he sure does, because I don't have anything spectacular outside of that. 
But what I do have is the grace of Jesus Christ, the hope as an anchor for my soul, a reminder that Jesus Christ has done the work in me that I can't earn it, that I couldn't ever be good enough. I couldn't ever have it all together. I couldn't ever do a number of things. I'm just so glad I'm part of the Christian faith where I don't have to try and earn my way there because it's already been done for me. And yet we're called to be his instruments. That we weren't perfect. We didn't earn it. We didn't get to this position because we did anything spectacular. But yet we got here because of his grace. And then the crazy thought is that then he still chooses to use us, it goes on in verse 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. What a crazy thought. That's extravagant grace that we've received. I want to look this morning at the story of Saul's conversion in Acts chapter 9. I don't know whether you've been enjoying, like I have, reading through Acts together as a church. And so today, this morning and tonight, I'm going to speak out of Acts because as we're reading that together, it's my personal devotion time and God's speaking to me in a unique way, just like he's speaking to you in a unique way as we read the book of Acts together and there's revelation words that come out of that. And so I just want to speak from my devotion time, some of the things God's been speaking to me about. And so Acts chapter 9 tells the story of Saul's conversion, who we know is also known as Paul. His name was interchangeable. He had the two names. It wasn't like he had, there was a specific moment where he just went from Saul to Paul. He had the two names from birth. But he is known at the start of his life as Saul. This man that was uh, a persecutor of Christians. This man that would hold the, hold the jacket as Stephen would be stoned to death. This man that would go, go around trying to put in prison Christians, men, women and children into prison because he just hated the concept of who Jesus Christ was and hated the concept of what Christianity was all about. And so God radically impacts the situation. And I love when people and purpose collide. And I love how God just does something significant. And so Acts chapter 9 verse 1, it says this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters and addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, i.e. Christians. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So we've got goals, we've got visions to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Saul's got goals, he's got visions to see every Christian chained up. Verse 3 goes on to say, as he was approaching Damascus on the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now go, uh, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him uh, led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. What a radical encounter. Verse 10 says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. Where you get, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus 
named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Now, I wouldn't be too hard on Ananias there. This guy's known for persecuting Christians. He wants to see Christians locked up. He wants to see Christians killed for their faith. And God has just given him a call. Hey, here's the directions to his house. Why don't you head over there and say a short prayer with him and encourage him? Can you imagine how he felt? Isn't that just like God? God gives just kind of like the broad plans, but no detail. I just pop over to his house, have a cuppa, catch up with Saul. I'm sure it's going to be great conversation. But Ananias doesn't know how it's going to pan out. He doesn't know the details of the conversation. He doesn't know the emotion that uh, Saul's going to be feeling when he gets there. He doesn't know how this guy's going to react when he sees another believer. But I love what God says. He says this in verse 15, but the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument that's crazy let's look at Saul's resume the guy that held the robes while Stephen was persecuted and stoned to death this guy had gone over for a long period of time and caused incredible pain for Christians incredible pain for families he torn families apart he put Christians in prison And yet God looks past all of that and says, Saul is my chosen instrument. Can you imagine how much of an insult that must have felt for all of the other good believers? They're thinking, I'm in church every week. I'm worshiping Jesus. I'm paying my tithe. I'm in church just loving people. And here's this guy who's got no record of doing good. And God says he is my chosen instrument. I love how God looks straight past our failure, straight past our past, and he looks at our potential. And he sees, about, sees someone that he loves, and he sees purpose on our lives, even when we can't see it ourselves. He is my chosen instrument. If there was a thousand candidates, there was 999 better candidates than Saul. And yet God chose him. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Do you know that purpose sometimes has pain? There is a sacrifice to our service. As we trust God, as we continue to serve him, there's sometimes pain along the way. Verse 17 says, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to you that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Verse 20 says, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, indeed, he's indeed the son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation amongst Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? 
Three things that happen when people and purpose collide. The, no, the first one's this. Number one, God's plans are outworked through God's people. God's plans are outworked through God's people. See, this story is incredible because Jesus captures Saul's attention. The light kind of shines. Jesus speaks with a loud voice. He falls off his horse. He's trying to understand what's going on. And he's trying to grapple with the situation. There was an incredible encounter with God in that moment. But yet then God flicks it over to the church and says, Hey, I'm going to use you to see this miracle be completed. So here he was, so excited, so so moved by that moment, but yet then he was back in this room by himself and it took somebody that was a believer to be sent over, Ananias to be sent over to speak to Saul and to encourage him and to pray. We see that Saul gets up and he's preaching to the masses of people and having this incredible impact all around that region afterwards, but that would never have happened if Ananias didn't go. Imagine if Ananias just dug his heels in and said, I'm not going. There was a stubbornness about it. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be part of this. But yet God used him because he was faithful to go. He didn't have all these grand plans. He didn't know how he was going to react. He just went. He didn't know whether he was going to be locked up and put in prison. He didn't know whether he was going to be stoned. He just went. There's so something incredible about somebody that has the faith just to go. See, I believe that God's will for our lives isn't like a tightrope that we're trying to stay on. I believe God's will chases us down. God wants to chase us down with his purpose and his plans. Ananias was just sleeping. But God woke him up and said, hey, I want you to go. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. And here's the details. Just go to this, go to this street You're going to find a person there called Saul. He didn't give you much more information other than that, but he just went faithfully. And where has God called you and I to go? Our friends, our family, our work colleagues, the people that are around us in our world, that we're called to go because God's plan is outworked through God's people. God uses us. When it comes to this community of the the Blue Mountains and Mount Riv and Lawson and the areas in between and around us, we are called to be the salt and light of the earth. God's not looking for another plan. He's looking for us. Do you know that revivals can come and go, but the reality is it's not just about us being excited in a moment for us. A revival is all about other people. It's all about reaching more people. It's all about us getting on fire for God so that when we take it out to our community and we can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where God guides, he provides. See, we've got to take what God's done in our life and then be able to transport it to others. I'm at a stage where I've got two young kids. I've got Cooper four, got Georgia nine months old. And when I think about Cooper, he's always saying to me, can you get me something out of the fridge to eat? And so I'm going and preparing food for him. I'm making sandwiches. I'm getting him food. But the day will come. In Jesus' name. Where he will be able to get food for me. Be able to go, go to the fridge and, and make my food and be able to and, and prepare together and bring food to me. And it's kind of like what the grace of God's done for us. We've received it, 
And then now we need to be able to go out and be able to give it towards other people and share it and spread it. The good news is just not a good news for us. It's a good news for everybody that they would receive God's grace and his love. Go out into all the world and make disciples. God's purpose is outworked through God's people. And I love in uh, the second point this morning is this. Number two is God's purpose is greater than your past. (laughs) I just can't get over this point. Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument. Out of all the reasons why he shouldn't have been chosen, he was chosen. And it's true when it comes to so many testimonies. Time and time again, you see people that it seems they were just so far from God. They were the black sheep. They were the person that was never going to do anything great for for God. They were never going to achieve anything. But yet then God just raises them up. And they do something spectacular that can change a whole generation of people. And it reminds me never, ever, ever to give up on people. It doesn't matter how far they've gone. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. Never, ever, ever think you're too far from God. Never, ever think that God's done with you, that he's going to look for a better candidate. God looks at you and he loves you. Saul had done nothing to earn God's approval. In fact, he'd done the complete opposite. But God chose him. God said, you are my chosen instrument. Can you imagine how the family members of all those people that have been put in prison by Saul would have reacted? When they heard the news, they heard the gossip that this guy was God's chosen instrument. Can you imagine how they would have felt? And sometimes I think we've got to be careful as Christians, as believers, that we just don't start getting jealous and envious of other people and we start thinking we're so good and we're so high and mighty and we're so righteous at church on a Sunday that God can't just raise someone up right from the outside that doesn't look like us, doesn't speak like us, doesn't sound like us, doesn't seem like they have the qualities, but yet God can raise them up and do something great. We should never get so comfortable thinking that we are so perfect and have it all together. That God just can't reach someone in a moment. God loves to take broken people and raise them up and remind people that it's by his grace. Not by strength, not by power, but by his grace. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4 says, We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his people. Do you know that your past can be a barrier to your purpose? I'm going to ask Anthony Badman to come and help me with an illustration this morning. I mean, I, I, I will just kind of divulge for a moment that I did go to the football yesterday. And, uh, and I, I have my, uh, my Knights jersey here. It's my Knights jacket. And uh, they did play the Panthers yesterday. And the truth of the matter is we did beat the Panthers. 20 to 12, we beat the Panthers. And probably the most glorious moment was that I was sitting next to Alan Douglas who was a huge Panthers fan as the game was taking place. And it was just beautiful to watch his face be contorted at all different angles as he watched the scoreboard go against him. It was just a beautiful thing. But, but, but don't be distracted this morning from this illustration. My Newcastle Knights jersey represents a team that I love. It's a team that I grew up with. I grew up in the Hunter Valley and it's a team that I love supporting and I love watching. But The truth of the matter is, my team is a bit like purpose. I can look back at the past 
and I can think about all the failures of my team. We had three wooden spoons in a row. For three years, we were the worst team in the competition. The last three years. And I could look back at that and just think they're just a hopeless team. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I could not buy any of their merchandise. I could not watch any of their games. I could just completely ignore them because of their past. And that could be a huge barrier to me supporting the Newcastle Knights. You know, the other thing that I could do is think about all the successes that we've had. I could think about the 1997 grand final that we won. I could think about the 2001 grand final that we won. Two-time premiership winners. I could think about that. But the reality of that is, that's in the past. And it's the same when it comes to us as Christians. We can look back at our, our past. We can see our failures. We can see all the things we've done wrong. And we can see that as a disqualifying thing for our future. We can look back at our successes. And we can think, I remember when I was on fire for God 10 years ago. I can remember when I really was passionate about Jesus. And I was serving God. And I was doing incredible things. And that's an incredible success. But that day's gone. We live in today. And you know that our community does not care about how on fire you were for God 10 years ago. It cares, it cares about today. Because today is your purpose. Today is the day the Lord has made. Today God has great things for City Church. Today God has great things for you. Today God has a purpose to out, for outflow in your life. Today God wants to do something powerful in this community of the Blue Mountains. Today. Not yesterday, not into the future, today. This is the day. Sometimes we get confused and we start thinking about our purpose in terms of something that we arrive at. We think one day when I get that job, one day when I have my family, one day when I have that house, I will have achieved my purpose. One day when I speak on the platform, that's when I've achieved my purpose. Here's the thing. Purpose is unfolding every day. We never arrive. We never get there. And so when we think about our purpose was achieved 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 weeks ago, and we think that that was the pinnacle, we miss the point. God has a purpose for us today. I'm going to take this off so it doesn't distract you. Just because I know it's inspiring for you all. It's just like God's grace though. When we put God's grace on, we wear it and our failures and our sin and all of those things, they just pale into insignificance because his grace covers us. When we're reminded of the fact that he looks at us and he loves us and he wants to use us as his chosen instruments, it changes everything. See, I love this quote, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And sometimes I just don't feel good enough. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm good enough as a husband. Sometimes I don't feel good enough as a dad. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm, I'm the most qualified person to lead this church. Sometimes I don't feel like, you know, the things that I feel like God's calling me to do. I feel like, God, you should get somebody else because of this and this and this. Because of this and this and this. And the list could go on. Sometimes I don't feel like I have it. I'm just like you. But all of us, at times, we can disqualify ourselves in our minds by just reminding ourselves of all of our failures, 
all of the things that we've done, we can go over and over and over and we can rob ourselves from what God wants to do. Could you imagine if Saul, from that moment after he got saved, he got healed and he could see again, but could you imagine if he just sat in pity for the rest of his life? We wouldn't have two-thirds of the New Testament that had been written by Paul. Saul, Paul. We wouldn't have had some of the incredible miracles that took place and this man that would go and spread the gospel to the Gentiles and do this incredible work. We would not have had that had not Saul said, you know, I'm not going to live in my pity. I'm not going to look at all the disqualifying factors of my life that I should have been one of the other apostles. It should have been one of the other good Christians. It should have been somebody that's been doing the right thing that should be doing something great for God. Instead, he just said, you know what, God, if you've chosen me, where you're guiding, you must be providing because I've got nothing in me to be able to do this. So I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you with the journey. And I love the fact that God would take people that are right on the outer and bring them right to the center of influence and do something powerful. I love in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it says, For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own special possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Who is better to show the grace of God than someone that has received it? If you're looking for a qualification, there it is. We are all qualified because we are all people that have received God's grace and are called to take that message out and show other people, hey, I've received it and now I know that you can receive it. You know, how inspiring for people all over the world that would have seen Saul, this man that had just, you know, persecuted Christians, to see this radical change in his life and see the impact of his life as he just began to trust Jesus Christ, the miracles that took place. People would have felt like, well, if he could do it, well, maybe I can. If he could do it, maybe I could do something influential in my life. And I really want to be around people like that, that are just inspiring because of the journey that they've been on. And third, thirdly and finally this morning, it's this. God's presence brings powerful change. God's presence brings powerful change. I love in this story how he has this encounter with Jesus Christ. And then from there goes on to start preaching around the region. He starts preaching around the world and having this incredible impact in it. It says Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Presence. If you showed up next Sunday and I brought the queen into this auditorium, it'd be quite a speaking invite. (laughs) But I I organized for the queen to be here and her presence was here next Sunday morning in church. I can guarantee that, number one, the church would be more full. (laughs) Number two, I can guarantee that there would probably be a whole bunch of different ways that people reacted and acted on that Sunday morning. There'd be a whole bunch of more security. (laughs) The whole service would be completely different. Because there was somebody in authority and somebody that was influential, someone's presence that was here. And it would bring change because of the person that was here. And it's a crazy thought that the queen could come in and have such an impact in this building and in this community just because of her presence. 
But I'll tell you what's even more crazy than that. That every Sunday, we have the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we come to church for. And we don't care about the weather. And we don't care about anything else that's happening. Because we care to come into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when we come into His presence, it causes change. It brings transformation. It does something on the inside of our life that when we spend time with Him, we're reminded of His love for us. When we spend time with Him, we're reminded of His grace. And He just does something internally in our heart. Presence. Do you know, police often do a presence mission. Things like New Year's Eve and things like that. They make sure that there's police everywhere. In police clothing, police vehicles everywhere. Because they're trying to say that there is a presence here. There's an authority to this. There's not chaos here. There's a presence of authority. There's a chain of command. There's thousands of people that may be out for the fireworks. But there's police officers here that are making sure there is order. And what happens? People feel safe. People feel comfortable. Because there's a presence. There's an authority that's around. And it's the same when it comes to Jesus Christ. When we spend time in His presence, it gives us security. It gives us strength. It helps us to know that there is an authority that's looking after our lives. That's taking care of us. That's making sure we feel Safe. God's presence brings powerful change to our life. A lot of the theme of this morning has been love. As we've been singing, it says in Ephesians 3 verse 18. It says, in May, you have the power to understand. As all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When we spend time in His presence, powerful things happen when the church gathers around the presence of God powerful things happen things that we can't make happen things that we can't orchestrate things that we can't plan things that aren't on run sheets when we just allow God's presence to invade our life and do something in us it brings change it brings transformation in our life and so this morning I just wanted to remind you I wanted to equip you I wanted to empower you this morning I want you to feel there's a sense of responsibility on our shoulders because we are God's chosen instrument and our failures aren't good enough to disqualify us and our sin is not a good enough disqualifier because God has chosen you God has chosen me in this generation, in this time period, where we are right now, God has chosen us. And I know this message has been a bit different this morning. And I don't want it to be heavy, but I want it to to feel like it's real. 
I want us to feel like there's a responsibility on us. Because this world tells us so many times why we are disqualified. But the Bible time and times again again tells us why we are qualified. And that is because of God's grace. And that's it. And so you've got it. And you've got access to it. Just by receiving his love and his grace. So would you stand with me this morning? Lord, we just thank you for your incredible grace. Even though we're not perfect and we don't have it all together, Lord, you still choose to use us. Lord, I thank you that we are your chosen instruments. That God's plan is that work through God's people. And we thank you, Lord God, that your purpose for us is greater than our past. Lord, we thank you that we can be reminded this morning that in your presence, you bring powerful change. And I pray, Lord God, that we would never take for granted your presence. But we'd always have an awe, a fear of God, a reverence for your presence, I pray. And know who you are and that you choose to use us. And Lord, I pray that the lie that the enemy tries to tell us that we are not good enough to be used, I pray that that would just die this morning. And that we would know that we are your chosen instruments, used by you for your purpose, I pray. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, we've talked about grace this morning. And grace starts with relationship with Jesus. As we receive a relationship with him, that just changes everything. That's the qualifying factor of our life. And so I want to pray a prayer this morning called the sinner's prayer. We all come at the same level. We're all sinners. We're all fallen short. But we come to to God and we receive His grace and He changes everything. And so this morning, I want to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me as we make sure our hearts are aligned with Jesus Christ. We make our peace with God. Would you repeat this after me, church? Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. For my sin and failure, I'm sorry. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, I'm a child of God. Help me to live for you. Thank you, I'm your chosen instrument. Use me for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.